Welcome to the podcast for Windsor Road Baptist Church. Prepare your heart to receive God's message. Well, when the rain and the floods take on biblical proportions, a good place to be is in church, isn't it? So, yeah, look at the Lord's Word today. And we're going to continue our series from the, the book of Luke, and particularly looking at our theme for this year of, of faith and having faith in God. And uh, probably many of you are in the practice of saying grace at mealtimes. There's a classic old English grace up there, but there's all sorts of graces. There's a Superman grace and all those sorts of things. Everybody, families, you often get the kids to say their graces, which are often quite creative and and what you you might not expect. There's a movie called Talabudger Nights. Uh, It's not the greatest movie, but uh, I know Charles is a favourite of it. But anyway, um, I would say I don't... As you go home this afternoon and go, what are we going to watch? Don't. I wouldn't recommend this, but uh, it's got a very good grace in it. Uh, it's about a guy called Ricky Bobby, who's grown up in uh, South Carolina, and he wants to be an NASCAR driver, and he becomes very successful. And uh, he's got his best men there, best mate there, Carl Norton Jr., uh, his smoking hot wife Carly, his two kids, and his father-in-law at the table. And this is the grace that uh, Ricky Bobby prays. We thank you so much for this bountiful harvest of Domino's, KFC, and the always delicious Taco Bell. I just want to take time to say thank you for my family, my two beautiful, beautiful, handsome, striking sons, Walker and Texas Ranger, or TR, as we call them. And, of course, my red-hot smoking wife, Carly, who's a stone-cold fox. Mm. Also want to thank you for my best friend and teammate, Cal Naughton Jr., who's got my back no matter what. Shake and bake. Dear Lord Baby Jesus, we also thank you for my wife's father, Chip. We hope that you can use your Baby Jesus powers to heal him and his horrible leg. And it smells terrible, and the dogs are always mm. bothering with it. Mm. Dear tiny infant Jesus. Hey, we- um, you know, sweetie, Jesus did grow up. You don't always have to call him baby. It's a bit odd and off-putting to pray to a baby. Well, look, I like the Christmas Jesus best, and I'm saying grace. When you say grace, you can say it to grown-up Jesus or teenage Jesus or bearded Jesus or whoever you want. You know what I want? I want you to do this grace good so that God will let us win tomorrow. <sighs> Dear tiny Jesus, in your golden fleece diapers with your tiny little fat balled-up fist pawing He was a man. He had a beard. Look, I like the baby version the best. Do you hear me? I win the races and I get the money. Ricky, finish the damn grace. I like to picture Jesus in a tuxedo t-shirt because it says, like, I want to be formal, but I'm here to party, too. Because I like to party, so I like my Jesus to party. I like to picture Jesus as a ninja fighting off evil samurai. I like to think of Jesus, like, with giant eagle's wings and singing lead vocals for Leonard Skinner with like an angel band and I'm in the front row and I'm hammered drunk. Hey Cal, why don't you just shut up? Yes ma'am. Okay. Dear eight pound, six ounce, newborn infant Jesus, don't even know a word yet, just a little infant so cuddly Mm. but still omnipotent. Mm. We just thank you for all the races I've won and $21.2 million. Woo! 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 Love that money that I have accrued over this past season. Also due to a binding endorsement contract that stipulates I mentioned Powerade at each grace. I just want to say that Powerade is delicious Mm. and it it cools you off on a hot summer day. And we look forward to Powerade's release of Mystic Mountain Blueberry. Mm. Thank you. 
for all your power and your grace, dear baby God. Amen. 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 So there's a grace that you might like to share at home in future with, uh, with members of the family. But for many people, the, the Jesus they want to worship, the Jesus they want to know, is the newborn baby Jesus. There's, there's something very cute about him. Uh, it's approachable no matter what your religious perspective is. And I guess in a, in a way, the newborn baby Jesus teaches us some things about God. It teaches us about his humility, that he's willing to... Uh, to enter the world in the most, most humble circumstances that, uh, uh, about the incarnation that he wants to, to come and, and be around us. But there's lots of things the newborn baby Jesus can't tell us uh, about God. And uh, through the, uh, the book of Luke, we, we see a couple of different versions of, of, the, of Jesus, um, a couple of different perspectives on him that we, we might not expect. And a guy called Steve Eli from Passion Church in the United States points out that probably most of us have our own favourite Jesus, our own particular understanding of Jesus that we feel most comfortable with, often something we've created in our own mind that we think he is like because, well, he's approachable and he, he doesn't say things that offend us and he doesn't say things that confuse us or that misunderstand us. And so for some people, their picture of Jesus is the Anglo-Saxon uh, meek Jesus. For others, it's the mighty and powerful Jesus. Uh, for some, it's the revolutionary Jesus. For others, it's even a, a Japanese Jesus. Or for some, the prosperity Jesus, the Jesus who is all about money and if you follow him, you will make lots of money. But in Luke chapter 2, we meet a teenage Jesus. This is the, the teenage uh, the story of Jesus at, at the temple. And uh, I'll read that to you now. Chapter 2, verse 41 of Luke. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival, according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their friends and relatives. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look, to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be here in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. We can learn things from the baby Jesus, and uh, today we can see that we can learn some lessons from the teenage Jesus. And in some ways, this is even a little bit more uncomfortable than thinking about the baby Jesus. Like, baby Jesus is cute, but Jesus was 12 years old. He wasn't quite a teenager, but he was probably still getting a bit gangly, probably still a bit pimple-faced. Maybe his voice was starting to break. But this Jesus had a lesson for his parents, and for us as well today. 
And the first one was the obvious one, that we will not always understand God. Mary and Joseph, I think, were probably entitled to be a bit angry with Jesus for what had happened. They had spent a day travelling, then they discovered that he was gone, another day back to Jerusalem, then three days wandering around Jerusalem trying to find the boy. And if you've been a parent, you've probably had that moment where you've lost a child and that incredible anguish that you have and wondering where they are and are they safe? And they had this for five days. And, and they were, I think they're probably quite entitled to go to Jesus and say, well, why didn't you tell us you wanted to stay at the temple? Couldn't you have sent a message? Couldn't you have told one of your uncles? Couldn't you have told one of your cousins, I'm going to be here in Jerusalem? But he didn't. Now, we've got to be careful here. Obviously, Jesus never sinned. Uh, the, the, the Gospels tell us that Jesus didn't sin, and there's theological reasons why uh, we, we, we can't have Jesus sinning. It's just for our salvation because he is the, you know, the perfect, innocent sacrifice. But there's clearly a case here that they, the parents didn't understand Jesus at that time. What he did didn't make any sense, and it brought a, an angry and an anguished response. And it's going to be true for us as well, that sometimes Jesus is going to do things in the Gospels that we don't understand or that offend us. And we're also going to have the situation that, that in our lives, Jesus is going to do things that we don't understand and that offend us and leave us questioning and leave us with anguish and sometimes even feel us a little bit hurt. But the thing is that the lesson that the teenage Jesus teaches us is that we can't put God in a box. If we feel as though we need to put him in a box, he's only going to disappoint us by breaking out of it. And if we, need, if we put in a box, our, our faith life is going to struggle because he's going to be doing things that we don't understand and don't agree with and that hurt us. And that's simply because God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. The second lesson that the baby Jesus teaches us, not the baby Jesus, the teenage Jesus teaches us is that you can lose him on the road. Mary and Joseph thought that Jesus was lost. But in fact, Jesus wasn't lost at all. He was exactly where he should be. They were the ones who were lost. And sometimes in our lives, as we, as we travel along in the, in the crowds and the hustle and bustle and things of life, we, we think that Jesus is still with us. But in fact, he, he's wandered off and he's doing something else. And we're just doing our own stuff with these people around us. And, and often we end up just being that we're walking alone. We thought he was there, but he wasn't. And if you get to that point where you, you sort of sense, oh, hang on, where's Jesus in my life? He, he, he was close, and, uh, but now he's not. If we, if we ever find ourselves in that situation, the panic we have should be similar to that of when a mother or father loses their child. We need that same level of desperation and say, we, we need to get back close to Jesus. We need to have him walking close beside us because otherwise we're off doing our own thing. Third thing that the teenage Jesus teaches us is to live three-dimensionally. Okay, so it's, it's possible to live one-dimensionally and you probably know somebody like this. Uh, it's all about them. Uh, every 
Every, everything revolves around them. They're sort, of, they're sort of the sun and we're the planets and, and our functioning world is just to, is to revolve around them. They're very self-centered. They're the focus of every story and everything that has to happen has to be about them. Apparently, Teddy Roosevelt was a very self-centered person, the uh, US president in the 19th century. And somebody once said of him that he was the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral. Uh, always had to be the, the center of, of attention. And you've, yeah, you've probably got people in your life who are like that. Some are just annoying. Uh, some are, uh, make life very difficult indeed. The better way to live, the more normal way to live is in a, in a two-way relationship, to a, a give-and-take type of relationship where, where I seek to be compassionate towards you and you seek to be compassionate towards me, whatever extent that that goes. And, and Jesus demonstrated two-dimensional living uh, with his, his parents. So... Uh, when they came and saw him, after that it says in, in verse 50, but then, they, uh, uh, not, not verse 50, um, verse 51, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So Jesus fulfilled his, his two-way relationship with his, his parents from, from that point onwards, presumably if he was doing it before as well, but he, he did follow those, those give-and-take relationships. But Jesus also lived three-dimensionally. What Jesus declared to his parents at the temple was, there's a third person in this relationship. I will honour you and respect you, but you need to realise that I will also honour and respect my Father in heaven. And, and we need to follow this example of Jesus. That, that didn't come from his divine nature. That was his human nature living in obedience to God and living in relationship with God the way we are created as human beings to do. We are always to be relating to other people, but always at the same time relating to our Father in heaven. And that means that sometimes we will do things that other people don't understand. That's what happened with Jesus. He was seeking to maintain this relationship with his parents, but he was also seeking to maintain his relationship with his Father in heaven. And it meant that he did something they didn't understand. And if we are living three-dimensionally, other people will look at us and they won't understand because we have different values, we have different goals in life, we will use our money in a way differently to the way other people use it. We will use our time differently to the way that others who don't have that relationship will use it. We should be doing that. People should be looking at us and saying, something weird there, coming from our relationship with our Father. The outcome of this in Jesus' life, of this three-dimensional living, relational and then up to God as well, is in, in verse 52 it says, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favour with God and people. If he had been living in favour with people, that would have been good, but not all that it could be. If he was living in favour with God, that would have been good, but not all that it could have been. But when he was living in favour with God and with other people, he was living the life that we've been created to live as human beings. So the teenage Jesus teaches us at least three things. Sometimes we won't understand God. He'll do things that hurt us, that we don't understand, that things that he, he'll speak into our lives in ways that we, we don't feel comfortable with. He might offend us. And even as we look through the book of Luke over the next few weeks, 
Jesus will do and say things that we go, I don't get that. Second thing the teenage Jesus teaches us is that we can lose him on the road. And thirdly, that we are to live three-dimensionally, fulfilling our responsibilities to one another, but also to our Father in heaven. Luke seems really keen to observe the response of Mary to the different things that happen. And it says uh, at the end of this verse, this text we looked at this morning, that Mary treasured all of these things in her heart. And it's the same sort of language that had been used earlier on when the angel came to announce the birth to, uh, uh, to Mary, when the shepherds had come to Jesus' birth, and when Anna or Simon had prayed for Simeon had taken the baby and prayed this incredible prayer over the baby when she brought Jesus to the temple to be dedicated. Each one of those times, and here again, we, it says that, that Mary took these things on board and she pondered them, or she treasured them in her heart. And Luke is presenting her as the example of the, the life of faith that we are to live. It's probable that the, the source that, uh, that Luke had for this was in fact Mary. Uh, when Paul was in prison in Caesarea for two years, Luke was with him. And it's quite likely that, that Luke took some time to go away from there, perhaps headed up to Nazareth and met with Mary. And a lot of the stuff that's unique to the Gospel of Luke probably came from Mary's experience. And after Luke had met with her, he's going, this is what it looks like to live a life of faith, to trust in God, even though he, he does things you don't understand, to not try and put him into a box, but to just ponder these things, to sometimes shake our head, but never let these things shake our faith as we continue to trust. There's all sorts of different versions of Jesus and you might have created a particular picture of, of what he looks like in your life. But beware of the example of the, the religious leaders who had a particular picture of what Jesus was supposed to be. He was supposed to be the Messiah. He was supposed to come and the, kick the Romans out. He was supposed to follow all of the temple rules and do all of these things. And when Jesus didn't fit their particular box, they rejected him. And they were the poor for it. In our lives and over the next few weeks as we go through the book of Luke, we're going to see a Jesus sometimes that we're, we're not expecting. Don't put him back in the box. Let him speak to you. Ponder up in your heart upon this new revelation of Jesus that you get and see if your faith will not grow and expand as you understand him more and more through the different Jesuses we meet. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you came as, as a human being fully and revealed yourself to us in a way that we, you never could have done just through the words of a book or even through the words of a prophet. And Lord, we thank you that we've come to know you a bit, but we want to acknowledge that even though we might have spent some time with you, you still do things that take us by surprise and things that we wouldn't do if, if we had control of the universe. So, Lord, help us to discover the, the, the attitude of Mary, that as these things happen, we, we might shake our heads, but it will never shake our faith, that we will ponder and treasure these things that we learn about you in our heart, and that over time, our understanding of you will grow closer and closer to who you actually are. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by the message. 
Windsor Road Baptist Church is a growing, intergenerational, and international community of people committed to whole life discipleship. Please visit us at windsorroad.org.au to connect with us and to learn more about our church.